Hi, everybody. I am here today with my episode nine of the Chatting With series. I have Justin Nofel, and he did The Howling Wind recently, so I thought I would join these gentlemen. And if you're enjoying this series, especially this episode, please thumbs up, which means you liked it, comment, subscribe, share, and uh, thank you for watching. Hi there, Justin. How are you doing today? Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> I have Jedi, Last Jedi right here. I'm also, uh, I'm also a very big Star Wars fan. On top of being a, a horror aficionado, I'm also a very big Star Wars fan. Journeys of, uh, of, of heroes, journeys of like archetypes and all of that. I mean, the genre really explores that the best, the right? Controversy too. <laughs> very, very much. <laughs> But uh, how are you? How are you doing out in the woods? I the woods are great. Um, it kind of makes you forget what's going on right now when you're just surrounded by birds and trees and the winds blowing by and you know your neighbors blasting country music really loud in very inopportune moments of the day. It's just you know Pennsylvania stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you haven't been you haven't been caught in the winds, have you? No, oh. <laughs> I haven't gotten coronavirus either. So, oh, good, good. <laughs> well, we're we're I'm referencing uh, your latest short, uh, "The Howling Wind," which I was lucky to see, and I cannot believe how perfectly coincidental some of the circumstances of your film were. But what an undertaking! How beautifully shot and well lit and directed and storyboarded! Like, do you want to talk about? I mean, you just came off the high of doing this. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, it's weird thinking back on it now because we shot in early or mid January. Yeah. And that was before anyone. That was before this was like a, a big thing. It kind of this became a big thing in like February. Like yeah. Through country people started to know about it so in january it's like you know we're just we're making a we're making an isolated paranoid horror thriller and you know the middle of winter and it's like 10 degrees in this cabin that we've gotten for the for the shoot and uh during the weekend the only snowstorm of the winter hit it was like the, the second day the saturday of the weekend and by sunday it was like completely gone so it's like the, the elements were very odd and strange so now cut to march and it's like oh okay this is real <laughs> this happens you know, this, you know but i think that's i think it's um beyond like the the circumstantial elements of it i think it just shows like how humans are just prone to instant panic yeah and whether it's a, an earthquake or a virus or an economic situation we are prone to absolute panic yeah. um, i think especially with horror that's you know that is one of the things to explore as it's been done many times before. So we kind of did our, our own little take on it. And um, so glad you enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you really managed to capture how the different elements in a film can provide the feeling of suspense and dread and just like without the words as much. I mean, I feel like I, I know and appreciate, obviously, good dialogue and film, and th th this definitely has that. But you very artfully, I mean, the the lighting, you cannot just say, I'm doing a black and white film and not know what lighting you want. Like, it's very intentional. 
Um, and you're right, I, something I discussed with Frank, who was on the show earlier, he and I discussed this idea that it's the people in these, these chaotic phenomena that are the scary thing. And I think that Romero did that really well, and I think that you conveyed that here too, this idea that it's the people and the way they react to circumstances of uncertainty that becomes frightening. It's, we, we were, um, my, our, my co-director, Lorian, who you'll be talking to, she's lovely, um, love her to death. Uh, <laughs> we, we were both very inspired by, by Romero and Night of the Living Dead and yeah. Night of the Hunter and the Twilight Zone specifically too, and just kind of the, the atmosphere and the feel, the vibe of it. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I think what I've been saying a lot to people who have talked to me about it, I say like, you know, the, the, there's an external outside natural threat, but mm -hmm. the real terror comes from within. It comes from the interactions with people and it comes from the paranoia of not trusting your fellow human yeah. when you're both just trying to survive what's going on out there. Yeah. So out there is not as scary as what's in here. And I think that's a very fascinating thing to explore. That's been explored many times, but each time it's done, it's within a different lens. It's through a different set of eyes, through a different perspective. Especially now, it's... Yeah, and as viewers, people will watch your film now and they, depending on when they watch it, they will equate it to either what's going on right now or what went on when their parents grew up or their grandparents. And I think that that's, that's universal art for you. And I think genre makes itself uh, more easily lendable to being universal because you just create these you use the archetypes, you use the tropes, you use the framework, and then people can just project, you know? And, and that's what I did when I was watching that. I was, I was trying to remember when I finished watching the film, if they had in detail talked about their socioeconomic status or this or that, but I kind of had just put that on them. I just imagined who they were to each other in society. And I, it's, it's, you guys got to check it out whenever, whenever it comes out. But you should check out Justin's other work. I got to check out a few of your shorts, which when I was about to watch them, I was like, oh, these are like two, three minutes. Like, what can he? Oh, shit, he got a lot done in two, three minutes. Like, what? We, we um, because a lot of the work that I've done has been with Lorian. We kind of were, you know, that's where kind of just we come hand in hand creatively. Yeah. Um, but a lot of what I say a lot is, each project that we do or I do individually is, is an exploration or a, um, an attempt at a certain thing. Yeah. So uh, if, you know, if there's a short film, I, I try to like each, each one is a subgenre of the main genre. So yeah. I've made like a slasher short and yeah. I try to try to make, try to um, exercise what I've learned from watching slasher movies and loving slasher movies. And then I've made, uh, we've done a, a witch, uh, culty witch kind of uh, film that was on Crypt TV. And, yeah, and that's an exploration, like that's creating your own myth and uh, deities and witchcraft and stuff like that. And then The Howling Wind is more of a uh, um, disaster horror, isolated, paranoid sort of thing. So each short, is an exercise in a particular uh, side of the craft, whether one is like, you know, how, how can I explore editing in this one? Or, or how can I uh, explore dialogue in this one? Or just how can I explore uh, cinematography in this one? Like it's, it's, it's basically like a film school on the genre, each thing that you make. Yes, and I, and I think you explore that really well. And 
I wore I wore this shirt today uh, thinking about Florian because you guys have a very um, lovely creative partnership um, and it's 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 really beautiful to see and you kind of you challenge each other and I know that part of the reason that we became friends was because you got to meet my creative partner mm. and it's just it's it's a beautiful thing when you have people that you can have shorthand with that you can be able to like keep accountable and someone to tell you no yeah yeah <laughs> which i need a lot a lot of the time i need someone to tell me uh no <laughs> yeah, no i actually had this conversation um with adam torkel um, mm. nights ago and love adam love yeah, that he's wonderful he's wonderful and i was talking to him about how clay has been writing a uh, feature-length screenplay during this entire quarantine and i have not read any of it but mm. I have been watching movies that he played that are for research, you know? So I'm like, Oh, I know what mindset he's in right now, but mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't get to read it. Cause I, I read one script a while back that I've told you about that. I just react very negatively because I take everything very personally when any of the characters sound like me, I just feel like temporarily yeah, from life, you know, <laughs> but I guess, I guess that's, that's par for the course when you're a creative partner, you, you pull from each other and then it's how you react to that that yeah. allows it to keep moving. And, you know, I, I look forward to not only people seeing this, but th whatever you guys have next. And do you guys have plans to develop like any feature length fair? Cause you are building brick. Those three minutes are so much foundation. And then this Fowling Wind, so much like a feature. I would love we, to see a feature. We, um, the, the the thing that that her and I um, both as individuals but as a unit are trying to kind of figure out is just uh, what exact like wh where to go from from where we are now because yeah. we are still very very young we are basically like infants in yeah. this in the in the pantheon of uh, whether if you want to call it the industry or the community however you want to call it um, we we're like babies yeah so I I think. The thing for the thing with shorts is, in my belief, because some people kind of have a question of whether or not you should just jump into features or do shorts. Yeah. In my opinion, for me personally, doing a short or doing shorts at all is really just a test for that feature or yeah. future for that feature. Because yeah. um, you don't want to do a feature and then you know completely collapse under the pressure of doing a feature when you haven't done anything prior to that. And some people can do that. A lot of people can do that. I know so many people that have done that. And it's like, oh my God, you weren't making movies your entire life, you know? But some people like, like I prefer to know, all right, so I learned several different things by doing X amount of shorts. Now yeah. I'm going to apply that to the big, the big picture, you know, the big yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I def that's, I mean, maybe that's why we're friends, but that's the same philosophy that Clay and I held like, we he had a feature length screenplay and he wanted me to star in it i declined and said i wanted to direct it then he said but you need to know how to do that and then i shifted and was like okay so we just started doing shorts and i think shorts are great and i think that people should find ways to create if they're in the right headspace mm -hmm. um, because it, it can teach you you can learn a lot from even the, the ones that you don't consider all that great you can learn a lot the ones you never show the ones you may <laughs> never show um and the ones and also you you know you learn how to build alliances with people you learn how to build um a network uh you learn what you need i mean i, I have made so many random connections on on just oh i 
I need a person that can do this or do you, you know and you're always talking about it you're always you're always figuring out that film and um yeah it's it's uh it's it's just a really beautiful thing to see that you have not only this partnership but a good perspective because yeah you you are an infant as you put it and uh there is a bit of a way to go a full beard <laughs> with a beard but you've got also a good attitude about it um but i feel like you kind of already uh went down this path but you know as far as your work you obviously have a love for the horror genre and the horror genre lends you to explore a lot of things mm. um when when you're when you're in the mindset to create something new how does your creative process start because i know that from following you on letterbox and yeah. you uh watch a lot of old movies mm -hmm. and do you just get into the headspace of your projects and then like like how does your creative process start like when you're i'm gonna do this and then what right what i tend to do Honestly, it sounds it sounds strange because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like trying to trying to win the marathon without even starting the race. Yeah. I I make style guides, okay. like I make like full eleven to twelve page like lookbooks of like every detail of what something will or should look like, yeah. and I do research on time period or if it's um. Like for La, La Hermosa, for example, I did a lot of research into like occult books and just like how they look, how they feel, like what the art styles are. And I spend like, the first thing I do a lot of the time, if I have an idea, but I'm not like exactly sure about it and I'm like trying to develop it in my head. The first thing I do a lot of the time is I make a title card and I spend hours, hours on fonts. I just like mess with, I play with fonts and I play with, uh, kerning and line spacing and all these like I, I make a title a title card that i feel really good about yeah and it's just the right amount of creative juice to kind of oil the gears and get them turning because if i know what something looks like or feels like just from a font then i know that it's more tangible and that i can then go head deep into something a lot uh, a lot more clearly if i can see something clearly on that in that regard then i, I won't have a problem writing something or or developing okay. yeah. yeah i think that um schrader has a similar conceit where he likes to have a title mm -hmm. and i think that that is a a great way to put it because when you know the title in you know the essence of what the production is mm -hmm. you know the beginning middle and end you know what you want the audience to know and you know like the sound that you want people to think when they think of the movie right and, you know with with the howling wind you know you have like these these very jagged letters and you have these three you know uh, the thing mm -hmm. it it does start to create a creative exercise so i think that is a very good did you already know it was going to be the howling wind or you you thought about the font first or did you play oh, I when it comes to titles, I, I have like, I always have a title first and then I create the font or the look because yeah. it might seem trivial, but if you're going to decide between like a serif font or a sans serif font, that could, that really could make a big difference. Yeah. So it's like, it's really bizarre. It's really weird. And I have a weird, bizarre way of thinking about things in that, on that front, but that makes a big difference. If you're going to make something with the serif font, 
that informs a lot of what the style you're going are you going for a 70s-esque kind of classic thing are you going for like an 80s uh, uh carpenter-esque kind of thing like that can really add a lot and that, and that can like that can literally tell you where you're gonna go from there oh yeah i actually uh learned that a little bit the hard way we do art direction for a couple of our shorts with the amazing Richard Smykowski. And Clay had written a script, um, which became The Shadow Scarf. And when he asked for my input for the title, I was like, well, there's a, my line is that shadow scarf. Mm -hmm. and I had already done the slightest touch. So I was like, we can't do like all these movies with the in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Richard gave me a schooling. He was like, no, it has to be the shadow scarf that shadow scarf sounds like a comedy and like he it was just like there was all and he was explaining to me with the with the a and like how it would look and i was like you have an idea of what that would look like you, yeah. it would like it would be a light bait or, or like a light blue and like big bold fonts yeah. uh, freddie prince jr would have been in it you know oh, something yeah like that. that shadow scarf so yeah. it it became the shadow scarf and then he gave us um this really cool title card like very the fog because that's kind mm -hmm. of like the inspiration i mean the shadow scarf and this could be a fun little duo um but it's just the idea of like that the title and how people might pick up the 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 cover of the dvd and they'll see the title card and they'll mm -hmm. see the font and they'll know what kind of movie you're making so I, that is a very good and then i've got like you know the this font going on right. it, it's it's an important um distinction and yeah I actually think that I've been trying to go on this website that you can write down like each letter of the alphabet, mm -hmm. scan it, and then they create a font based on your hand handwriting. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm thinking about exploring that for a project I'm working on. Cause like, yeah, that's something that create your own, create your own logo, create your own title font. That's exactly. awesome. So, I mean, that's cool. Um, yeah. World of fonts. <laughs> the world of fonts. Who knew? I, I mean, it's important. It gives people an idea of the mood and, and whatnot. So I, I know that you also have a background in uh, composing. Yeah, minimally. Um, minimally I really but like you. Who, who are your like um, composing? Like, I mean, because the music on on all of your the score on all of your productions is very tight. Uh, and obviously, whether or not you do it yourself or you have someone else work on it, like. Do you have certain um, inspirations, people that you love listening to, to get you in that mindset? Yeah, his um, his name is uh, John Carpenter. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I think I may have heard of him through, through the Yeah, um, he likes to put his name at the, at the, at the top of his movies, you oh. know, so know it's him. Okay, um, I'll, I'll look into him. I, I might have heard of at least one of his films. Oh uh, yeah, in uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, I think I think he did. He definitely did that one. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I um, I'm not very. I don't. I don't understand music theory. Music theory is like, that's that's like a road that you need to be sure you want to go down because it is it is a road. Like there's yeah. a lot to music theory. I don't know any of that. Um, I just I just know what I want something to sound like or feel like. And if I can, if I do it myself, it's really, you know, it's, it's through the John Carpenter way of just improv it, make it simple, because uh, simple is effective. And if you don't, if you're not, like, if you're, if you're not a composer and you're doing your own music, 
if you if you try to be more complicated with it there's more room to mess it up if you try to be simple and really focus on the vibe and the feel then you there's not as much room for error yeah no, that's a good point yeah and on that note i wanted to ask you um what kind of message do you want to send out to the winds oh just there's this Pennsylvania's got flies and yeah. mosquitoes and murder hornets and all that, oh, all that no. great stuff. Um, to the universe, your message to the universe. Um, hmm. Uh, let, let your artist friends uh, know that you admire what they do. Um, because I think, I mean, like, like one text can, can make a huge difference. Like everyone's having a hard time right now, but I think a lot, like, in my circle a lot of artists um a lot of my friends are artists and i'm an artist and you're an artist and we were in that circle a lot of a lot of people we know are, are suffering are not suffering but they're at an impasse in um right now and a lot of industries and careers are kind of like on pause um right now and i think everyone who's an artist or creative um there comes a point in their in their career or, or their life where like their their battery starts to hit the yellow bar and they're their percentage is hitting a little bit low, but all it takes is like one text or one conversation about something they made to like recharge it back to like 90% or 100%. Um, and I think probably now more than ever, a lot of people could use a recharging. Um, so we should all pass around the, the iPhone cord and yeah. charge each other. And I don't, think, I don't think anyone could have done it better than Joe Bob Briggs recently did on the last episode of the the last drive and I think he I think he recharged a lot of people's batteries oh definitely and you know that's precisely why I started this I had so many friends who were about to hit the big time with a major festival or in my case we were getting ready to shop a feature we've been building for several years now and a spotlight can make the world for somebody when the world has gone dark and um I admire your work, Justin. And oh, thank you. I, I admire you and your work <laughs> as well. Thank you so much. I, I am just so over the moon that I can call you a friend. And I was, I, I'm just continually impressed with your work and your work ethic. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. And everyone check out Justin's work. I will link everything that I can below and let someone know um, that you think their work is cool because you could be catching them at the just right moment. Exactly. Thank you so much for coming, Justin. You too. Let your artist friends know you admire them. And